0: can't think of a better song for leading us into the Word this morning. I I encourage you to remember the words of that song. We just sang, satisfied, He is all that I need. That's our identity. That's that's our standing. That's that's our Savior. He's everything that we need. We, We need nothing else besides Jesus. And thank you, team, for leading us in worship this morning and really beginning preaching the Word. So thank you, guys. Well, welcome again and thanks for being here this morning. My name is Eric, I'm one of the pastors here at, at FBC. And this morning we're continuing in our in our mini series called I We talking about our identity in Jesus Christ. And if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be going to a bunch of different passages, but we're going to be starting right where we left off last week in Colossians chapter 1. So I encourage you if you have your Bible or a device that you're looking at or you have your notes, Get those out and turn to Colossians 1. And as you do, I want to remind you of two other lines from the song that we just sang. In the second verse, it says, come find what this world cannot offer. Come and find your joy here complete. And what these lines are indicating to us is there, there's something inside all of us that wants more. That wants something bigger or outside of ourselves. That wants something greater. And that something can't really be found anywhere in our world. We all have this innate longing for purpose. We, we want to do something with the life that we've been given. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today is our purpose. Last week we looked at our identity in Christ as individuals. And this week we're going to be looking at our identity collectively, together. As the, the body of Christ. And we hinted at this last week in Colossians one, which is where you're at. And we saw that there's there's no realm, there's no arena, there's no place, no planet, no no other universe, no other solar system where Jesus is not King. He's the rightful ruler of everything that ever was and ever has been and ever will be. He has the right and the ability to define you and me. And beyond that, he also has the ability to define who we are together as the church. And that's what we're gonna be looking at today. So Colossians 1.18 says this. We read this last week. And he is the head of the body the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So he's the head of the church. And here's the big idea that we're chasing today as we open the word together. Jesus's authority over the church gives us a collective identity and purpose. It's both. Identity and purpose. And he does that within the context of the church. Identity and purpose always go hand in hand. When God gives us an identity, he tells us who we are, but he also tells us our responsibility or our purpose. When I was in college, I had the privilege of working at a sports complex called Riverfront Sports, and I was playing college soccer at the time, and they came and they asked if I would teach lessons or I would teach uh, training sessions at Riverfront Sports, and I had in my mind that I was going to be teaching high school students, or maybe even a few college students. I was, I was way wrong. The first class I taught was three and four-year-old soccer. The term cruel and unusual punishment actually came into being right then and there. Because three and four-year-olds, don't, they don't have any clue how to play soccer. They can run around. They love to run around. They love to kick stuff. Uh, but they haven't really been trained in anything. And I remember specifically this one kid who's a three-year-old named Diego. And Diego was probably the most athletic three-year-old I've ever seen in my entire life. The kid could run like the wind. He could jump. He could, he, he could cut side to side really well. But he had no idea what he was doing when he played soccer. Had no clue. And so I remember we would, we would do some training and then we'd kind of play a game at the end and I'd split up the teams and I said to Diego, say, okay, Diego, you're on defense. And he'd go, okay, all right, I'm on defense. And as soon as the ball was kicked, he would run all the way to the front of the field, which if you know soccer, that's not where defenders go. And so I'd have to call Diego, I'd be like, Diego, no, come here, come here, come here, come here. You're on defense. Okay. Ball kicked again. He just ran straight up the field all the way to the front by the goal. And I began to realize that Diego had no idea what defense meant. And so I had to call him over. I said, Diego, when you play defense, it means that you're staying back here and stopping the ball from going in our goal. And he goes, oh, okay. I said, go, go play defense. Okay. Ball kicked again, ran straight up the field did the same thing over and over again. But what we, what happens in our own lives and in the church is that our identity is tied to our purpose. So when God tells us who we are in Jesus Christ, he tells us we're redeemed, we're rescued, we're adopted. He does so by combining it with our purpose, our responsibility as the body of Christ. They go hand in hand every time. He answers the question of who we are, but also answers, why am I here? What am I doing here? And it's been this way from the beginning. We see this in Genesis 1. We see starting in verse 27, he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them their identity. We we were made in his image. That was our identity. But he also gave them purpose and responsibility. He said, be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth, meaning rule over it. And so he didn't just tell them who they were. He told them why they were there. They were there to increase the image of God all over the planet and to spread the glory of God all over the planet. Jesus does the same thing for us through the creation of his church. He gives us both a collective identity and a purpose. So let's look at our collective identity first. Throughout the New Testament, we, see, we really see three illustrations of the church that help us understand our collective identity, who we are together. And I have to give this disclaimer. Each one of these could be really a sermon in itself. And last week, I got some ridicule because I let you guys out early. So I'm cashing in that favor, and you just get to stay all afternoon while I go through each three of these sermons. No, actually, we're going to do a Reader's Digest version of the the doctrine of ecclesiology, which is the study of the church. But there's these three illustrations. What I really want you to see is that in each of these illustrations, we see something communicated about our identity and our purpose, or our value and our responsibility. It's not one or the other, it's both. And so the first illustration of our identity is that we are the body of Christ, we find this in 1 Corinthians 12, and I've, I've included the whole passage for you in your notes, but for now, let's focus on a couple of verses starting in verse 12 in 1 Corinthians 12. It says this, "'For just as, as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free,' But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So we're the body of Christ, which means we are the physical representation of Jesus on this planet. So when the outside world sees us collectively, the people of God, they're seeing a representation of who Jesus is. And that begs the question how are we doing at representing God? How are we doing at representing Jesus as his body? Each individual is a member of that body. So every believer who has ever lived was a member of the body of Christ, the church. In this illustration, we find both our value and our purpose. Our identity and value are found in, the, in the, the body cannot operate effectively without one of its parts. So regardless of what role you play in the church, what gifts you have, what abilities you have, God designs you specifically to play a role here. That means you have value, you have purpose. We also find our purpose here. Each part is designed to perform a function, a specific function. And when it doesn't function, when it doesn't serve its purpose, the whole body suffers, even that one part that isn't functioning. I want to illustrate this for you, but I need some help. So um, I need someone who really likes Skittles. (laughs) Elijah, come on up here, buddy. All right, do you really like Skittles? All right, come on. All right, why do you like Skittles? Because they, they have sugar. You know what's really funny? Is a kid in the first service said the exact same thing, sugar. Do you like other things with sugar? All right, here. I want you to take some and eat them, okay? Now, just so you're aware, no other human hand has ever touched any of these Skittles. Just so we're on the same page. Go ahead and eat some. Do you like other things with? You're you're having a hard time trusting me, aren't you? You think I like did something to them? They're just skittles, I promise. Do you like other things with sugar? All right, keep you in. You're good. More, all right. I'm not I'm not gonna do anything to you. You're like. You're you're aware and you're ready. I like that. Now, okay. I want you to eat some more. So you're gonna take some more of these. But this time, so go ahead and grab some. Don't don't eat them yet. Okay. This time, you can't use your mouth. But you have to get them into your stomach. So here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to help you, all right? So this thing is pretty hard. So put them right here, and we're going to smash them up, and then you're going to snort them up your nose. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But you could probably, you could, if you really or really were desperate, you could probably get those Skittles in your, in your stomach without using your mouth, right? Okay, thank you for your help. You can take those. And guess what? I don't want these, so you get these too. Okay. All right, thank you, thank you Elijah. <laughs> Share them with your brother and your sister, but not your dad, okay? <laughs> All right, so if Elijah really wanted to, he could get those Skittles into his stomach. But it wouldn't be very efficient because that's not the way the body was meant to operate. The the mouth was meant to chew things and the nose was meant to smell things. And if one of those things isn't working like it's supposed to be, the body can function to some extent, but it's never going to be as effective as if all the parts are working together exactly as God has designed them. The church is the same way. There There are people here that aren't doing their part. And that might be hard for you to hear, but, but it's true. And we can get along. You know, we, we have services and we have volunteer teams and we have children's programming and youth programming and we have a tech team and we have a worship team. But imagine if every person in the church was doing what they were supposed to do, what God's church would actually look like. This is what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Each believer has value because God has blessed them with gifts and talents and abilities to serve and build up the body to help it work best. But you also have responsibility to use those gifts for their intended purposes. So I ask you, how are you doing? Are you using your gifts? Are you using your abilities as God has asked you to use them? And this isn't some guilt trip to get you to serve in youth ministry, although I would love that. Rather, it's an opportunity for you to fulfill your purpose, to do what God has enabled and gifted you to do. And when you don't use your gifts to serve, you and the rest of us miss out on a blessing, and neither one of us functions like we're really supposed to be able to. But not only are we a body of Christ, Scripture also tells us that we are the bride of Christ. And there are several passages that talk about Jesus and his bride, the church. But in Ephesians 5, we get a clear look at the identity and purpose related to this illustration. So look at Ephesians 5 with me. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What Paul is revealing to us is that marriage is actually a picture of Christ's love for the church. Husbands are to love their wives sacrificially just as Jesus loved the church sacrificially. He loved her so much that he gave his life that she might have new life. And this is a a sidebar conversation, but husbands, the responsibility to lead in service is always yours. Just as Jesus led the way in service by giving himself, husbands, you are to love your wife sacrificially. When the question comes up of who is going to give of themselves first or who's going to sacrifice first or who is going to make some sort of sacrifice in the relationship, the husband is to lead the way, just as Christ leads us. In his love, we see how much value we have. We see how valuable we are to Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. He took our place on the cross. And the love that he has for us is captured in the picture of a bride with her groom. But this illustration also gives us purpose and responsibility. During a wedding, traditionally, uh, there's an exchange of rings, right? So this is my original wedding ring. I can't wear it anymore because I broke the knuckle on my ring finger and it doesn't fit anymore. But I get to carry it around with me. So usually the exchange of rings happen and they're usually made out of precious metal and that precious metal shows us the value that we're placing on another person when we, when we choose to marry them. But it's also the sign of a covenant. And when we give a person a ring in marriage, you say your vows and you commit yourself to them. So the ring is a not only a sign of value, it's a sign of purpose. And likewise in the church, when we give ourselves to Christ, when Christ gives himself for us, there's a, there's value there, but there's also purpose and it matches what the purpose of a bride to her groom is. That responsibility is continued submission, continued faithfulness and devotion to show honor, to show love, to show respect, on and on and on and on. And as the bride of Christ, we have that same responsibility to Jesus. Continued submission, continued faithfulness and devotion, continued honor, love, and respect. Our value or identity as a bride of Christ is tied up in his great love for us but so is our purpose, and so is our responsibility. So we're the body of Christ, and we're also the bride of Christ. And Paul finally then reveals that we're also the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is found in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 19. He says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. We have to be careful with this illustration because we think of, temple we think of a building and it might be easy for us to mistake the church for a building the church is not a place it's a people we were never meant to be defined by these four walls but the illustration is helpful for us i have another illustration i want to show you thank you thanks to my wife and my sister last night for keeping this all together and i just had part of it pop off. That's okay. You guys know what this is? Somebody in the first service knew? Notre Dame, all right? I was told very emphatically that it is not Notre Dame. I'm not fancy, I guess, so I don't know the true meaning of things. But this is a uh, 3D puzzle of Notre Dame in Paris. So here's what I didn't know when I bought this, that it would be such a great illustration of what I'm talking about. Because this... This is only like 300 pieces, but I promise you this is exactly how they built Notre Dame. And it took just as long to build this dumb thing as it took to actually build the church. But as I was building it, I, I, I was getting frustrated. My wife and my sister can attest to this because like pieces, piece number 164 was giving me particular trouble last night. And I was trying to fit it in and it wouldn't stay in its right spot. And so finally I just said, you know what, I got to move on. I got to work on another piece. And so I did. And as I did, it began to fit together better. As I added more and more pieces and as the structure started to come together and you added more and more stones, it began to take form and to take shape. This is the temple that God is talking about in us. Each individual piece, just like when we talk about the body of Christ, has its specific purpose. It it all does something. It either, you know, it's a window so you can see and it's a door so you can actually get in. It's a buttress that holds up a wall. And if you take some of the pieces out as you begin to take them about, the whole thing falls apart. And when Jesus says we're being, or Paul says, excuse me, that we're being built into a temple for the Holy Spirit. It's really interesting that he uses being built. It's progressive. It's continuing because you know what? It's not done yet. It's not finished. The church of Jesus Christ still has pieces to add. It still has members to add. That means that there are still souls that God intends to save that are gonna be a part of his church one day that aren't there yet. And as living stones... We're not complete yet. But the building, the temple of God, also highlights our identity. It says that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, not the men themselves, but what they taught. That means that everything that we do is oriented towards the truth of God's word. Everything that we do in church as the church, is built upon what they wrote and what they said and what they taught about Jesus Christ and his gospel and his word. But it also says that the cornerstone is Christ. And the cornerstone back, in, back when they were building in ancient times had to be a strong enough stone to support everything else that was gonna be built on top of it. But also it had to be laid precisely because every other single stone that was built was oriented to the cornerstone. And as the the temple of Jesus Christ, the building, all of us are oriented to Jesus. So that means everything we do, our direction, our identity, the places we're going, the the things that we want to do are all oriented by the person and work of Jesus Christ. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is why we said last week that our identity is firmly anchored in Jesus Christ. So we're the body, we're the bride, and we're also the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna try to set this down without busting it in half. There we go. So Jesus tells us both who we are and why we're here. So he says we're the body, We're the bride and we're the temple. But why are we here? What is our collective purpose? Our collective purpose comes in two different arenas. Our purpose when we are gathered here together and when we are outside of these walls. We call this the church gathered and the church scattered. So first, Jesus gathers his church to equip and encourage the saints for the work of the ministry. Let me read that for you again. Jesus gathers his church to equip and encourage the saints for the work of the ministry. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, He, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, To the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ. So, God gave leaders of the church as a gift to the church to equip the church. And the equipping that's supposed to take place when we come together is for the ministry, the work of the ministry. So let me ask you this question, according to Ephesians 4. Who is supposed to do the work of the ministry? The body of Christ, which part? All of it. All All the parts are supposed to do the work of the ministry. If you're a believer, you are in ministry. You have been called, you have been gifted, you have been equipped for the work of the ministry. The ministry of the church is not just for pastors and deacons and missionaries. It's for all of us. And it might not be your vocation, but it is your purpose. That's why you're here, to do the work of the ministry. And many believers, I'll be honest with you, are slacking in their responsibility. Not here, of course. Never at FBC would we ever say that anybody is is lazy or slacking their responsibilities. But I think you know what happens, right? People aren't doing what God has called them to do. Have you ever been a part of a group project in school where you were literally the only person doing all the work? It's terrible, right? Some of you have to think a ways back to remember that. Some of you are living it right now. I remember when I was in college, we were assigned an outline uh, on angels and demons that had certain criteria. It had to be like 30 pages long. And I learned very quickly that I was the only one that did any of the work. Now, for those of you who have experienced that, Is that a good experience for you? What does it make you want to do? Quit? Do something else? Take another class? Stop working? But you realize that your grade is dependent upon it, and so you do the work anyways? Sometimes that happens in church, that too many times, all the work is being done by too few people. In fact, there's actually a term for this called the Pareto Principle, or the 80 20 principle, which asserts that 80% of outcomes or things that happen result from 20% of the causes. That means that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. That's not how it's supposed to be in the body of Christ. It's not how it should be in the church. When we gather, it's for equipping to do the work of the ministry. Our purpose as leaders is to equip you to do it, but it's your job and my job to carry out that ministry. That means providing you with the right knowledge, the right tools, the right resources for you to be effective. So again, how are you doing? Are you acting as the body of Christ? Are you engaged in the work of the ministry? Are you just letting the other 20% do all the work? So we gather to be equipped, but we also gather for encouragement. Paul says, we're building up the body of Christ. I hope that when you come on Sunday mornings that you're encouraged, that you're built up, that you're strengthened, but not just for your own benefit. The reason we come here to get encouraged and strengthened and built up is for, again, the work of the ministry. When we come here and I get to hear you guys sing and I get to hear the praises of the saints go up, it's one of the most encouraging times of my entire week and it should be but it's not just for me. It's to encourage you and equip you and to build you up and to strengthen you to do the work of the ministry. These are the tools that God uses to strengthen us for ministry. Think about lifting, lifting weights in a gym. Think about a body lifting weights. One part holds and grips the dumbbell. One part stabilizes the rest of the body so it doesn't fall over. One part takes in oxygen and pushes out CO2. One muscle shortens to lift the weight and then lengthens again to lower it and so on and so on and so on. And so all the parts of the body work together to strengthen the body. It's not just one part's responsibility. It's the whole body's. In the church, it's the same. We work together using our unique gifts to strengthen the entire body, not just the one part. When we gather to equip and strengthen the body, it's for the work of the ministry. And that ministry is done inside and outside the walls of the church. As Jesus also scatters his church to join in the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus scatters his church to join the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. In the New Testament, the people of God were, were literally scattered from their homes as persecution began to come into Jerusalem. They, they were undergoing persecution from the religious leaders, from the Roman government. And so as they were their lives were being threatened, they scattered and they ran all over Europe, all over Asia, all over the Middle East. And as a result of that, the gospel spread from place to place to place to place. Now, we aren't experiencing that type of scattering yet the day may come where it happens but every time we leave this building we leave these walls you guys go to your own jobs you go to your own families you go you go to your schools you go to your own families you go to your coworkers. you go to your friends and we're s- scattered that's on purpose there's a reason we don't like set up bunks in here and just all sleep here all the time we have a job to do outside of these walls Jesus scatters us. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through God reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And listen to this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul reveals that those who have been reconciled to Christ, those who have had their relationship restored with God, are to be about the work of helping others find that same restoration. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Part of your ministry is to help other people meet Jesus Christ. In a way, we're all missionaries. In a way, we're we're all called to bring the gospel to people. Now, it might not be your vocation. You might not be in full-time service as your job, but your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ is to take the word of God out and share it with other people, regardless of what your occupation is. This is the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry we're equipped for and strengthened for when we gather here together. God has entrusted his people with the message of the gospel, not to hold on to it and hoard it, but to spread it. It says that we are ambassadors for Christ, meaning that when we leave this place, we are his representatives. You might not be doing a great job at it. I might not be doing a great job at it, but I am an ambassador for Christ, so we need to be careful then how we live in this world. And we go in the authority of his name to reach the lost and make disciples. That's your purpose, and that's my purpose The ministry of reconciliation is yours. Look again at the urgency of the mission here in verse 20. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you or beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We implore or beg people to be reconciled to God as if their lives depend on it because their eternity does depend on it. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But if you watch the news and you watch our world, it seems as if things are speeding up, right? This is what I do know. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And neither are your friends. Neither are your coworkers. Neither are your family members. And neither are your neighbors. Are they ready to meet their Creator? We can't make them follow Christ but we can implore them as ambassadors of Jesus to be reconciled to him today. This is our purpose. We gather to be equipped and strengthened for the mission, and then we scatter to accomplish it. We go out to accomplish it. As believers, we find our identity firmly anchored in Jesus Christ, and we also find our purpose there. Our identity cannot be separated from our purpose. Our responsibility as believers and at times we are guilty of shirking that responsibility passing it on to the 20% letting else do it somebody else do it as we end today I want to call you to commit again to your purpose as the body of Christ and I want to do it in two ways first as a body of Christ part of our purpose is to serve the body here we have a ton of places for you to be plugged in and some of you are doing a great job already in those places. We have places for you to use your gifts, to encourage others, to build up the body of Christ. And the tool we do use to do that is called our Project Serve Card. And today, we have physical copies down here on the wings, but we also have it on our app if you're using the app. If you're taking notes, there's actually a QR code on the back that you can scan with your phone, and it'll take you right to the Project Serve card. And here's, here's my challenge for you today. If you're not serving somewhere, fill it out. Let us help you find a place to serve to get plugged in, not so... Just because, so you have more to do with your life, more to do with your week, but because that's what you're made for, you've been given gifts and abilities. Help, let us help you find out what those are and plug you in, so you can be a blessing to others, and we can be blessed as a body of Christ. Second, as a body of Christ, we are charged with bringing the gospel to the lost, and one of the tools that we use to do that is our Revive Bibles. And bracelets that you'll see up front here. And here's the challenge for all of you, for all of us. I want you to come down here after the service and grab a Bible. And before Easter, which is, can you believe it's only four weeks away? Whew, time is moving quickly. But before Easter, take a Bible and prayerfully consider one person you can give that Bible to and share it with them. And here's, here's what I want you to do. Sometimes we are, we're guilty of this to kind of check it off our list. We take the Bible and be like, hey, here, and we don't like walk them through that, and they're like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. Okay, so take the time to walk them through it. If you don't know how to do that, I would love to show you how to use this tool, or you can go to timetorevive.com, and they have all the training videos you could ever need to follow this tool and to engage with someone who doesn't know Christ and lead them to a knowledge of their Savior. And then when you do that, when you take a Bible and take a wristband, Go share it with somebody, then invite them on Easter Sunday in four weeks. Think about this. In four weeks, when we gather here on Easter Sunday, it's like our Super Bowl. It's, it's the biggest party we throw around here. Imagine if we had a hundred new baby brothers and sisters in the Lord because you took your responsibility serious. How awesome would it be to celebrate with them for the very first time the resurrection of their Savior? But God does the work, and God gets the glory, but he invites us to be a part of his kingdom work. So I encourage you, after the service is done, come get a Project Serve card, come get a Bible, come get a wristband, and let's renew ourselves to our call, to our purpose. Can I share one more thing with you? Good. One person says it's okay. I was going to do it anyway, so... Uh, It's appropriate, as we talk about the body of Christ, that we have several individuals that want to join us in the work of the ministry here at FBC. They want to become what we call members here at FBC. And so we get the privilege of voting them in today as a body of Christ. So we have four people, and some of them were in the first service. I think some of them are here. Some of them are enjoying online at home. Uh, But we have four new individuals, Bailey Burkhart, Paula, and Bo Cootie, and Art Lambright want to join the membership here at FBC. I don't need a first and second because I already got that in the first service, but what I do need is a vote. So all those in favor of adding these people to our membership, say aye. Aye. And if you don't want them, you need to go eat lunch because you're grumpy. (laughs) This is the body of Christ. This is the work that we get to do together. But we all have a job. We all have a role to play. It's not We're not all the same. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same abilities. But we all have the same Savior. We all have a, a purpose in this life to serve him and to build up the, body of, the Christ, body of Christ. So as you go today, remember your purpose. Come down here. Grab a Bible and commit anew to that purpose, and let's serve one another as we go, all right? Let me pray for you. Father God, we're thankful for the role that you've allowed us to play in your church. Sometimes we're a little scared, to be honest. God, we feel like we're not equipped. We feel like we aren't good enough at times. But I pray that you would remind us again today that it's your work, it's your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So as we go from here, would you embolden us for the mission? Would you give us the courage to talk to people who don't know you? Would you give us the courage to share the good news of Jesus Christ? And God, would you reap a harvest and we will be certain to give you the glory and honor for it all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One last reminder as you go, every time we do community, we take a fellowship offering to help uh, those with physical needs in our body. Uh, you can drop that offering off at the back of the worship center here. Thanks guys. Have a great day. Thank you for joining our worship service today. Our prayer is that God is using the worship and the message to inspire you to love him, love people and influence the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or would like somebody to pray with you, you can let us know by clicking the connection card link. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app where we post upcoming events and announcements and you can share this week's message with a friend. You can also check out our website at fbclcart.com to stay connected with us. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.